Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And this episode is looking at a curious strategy the Cubs are trying in this rebuild. And yes, it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild. You can call it whatever you want. A soft reboot or a retooling or a (coughs) whatever you want to call it. The Cubs are not going to be horribly good the last two months of the year. (coughs) And with that, fans are going to decide, do I want to go out and watch the Cubs play? Do I want to buy tickets to go out to watch the Cubs play? Or if I've already bought the tickets, am I going to go out and watch the Cubs play? (coughs) Knowing that they might get spanked, regardless who they're playing. That's going to be up to you. I don't go to games. I basically stay Suhausa, Nachhausa, whichever it is in German, I forget. I stay in my house. Might listen to the Cubs game. Normally, I will prioritize a game in the pipeline. But tomorrow night, the Saturday night will be um, Cubs Pipeline Games at night. I don't know when the Cubs game is tomorrow. Uh, I don't know when when the game is on Saturday. But oftentimes the games on Saturday are earlier. And if it comes to listening to the Chicago Cubs or the Pipeline, usually I'm going to listen to the Pipeline. There will usually be a starting pitcher I'm interested in checking out. For instance, on Saturday, it's about time for um, DJ Hers to make a start. If DJ Hers is pitching, I will usually listen to that game because he is a player that I ought to know more about. I prioritize listening to his starts because people are going to ask me stuff about how's DJ Hers doing recently. But yeah, the parent club very well may struggle the last two months or ten weeks or however long it is. And I'm kind of fully expecting it. If they play fantastically well, wonderful. If they don't, well, I kind of expected that too. So regardless what you want to call it, The Cubs are not prioritizing 2021. And if that pisses you off, if that gets you to not want to watch, if it, fine, okay. But the Cubs are running an interesting strategy. And part of it ties in with something they've already been doing. When the season started, Miguel Amaya was going to be the starting catcher in Tennessee. And then at some point he might move up to Iowa. And probably he would end there. Now, sadly, he had uh, some elbow, arm, elbow, one of the two. I think it was 
think it was elbow. Um, some sort of muscles in his arm. Troubles. And he's missed a whole lot of time. And I don't know if he will be playing any more games this year at all. Which is unfortunate. So, Miguel Amaya, who was going to be getting in quite a few games, did not. Christopher Morell was added to the 40-man roster over the offseason. And he was starting at AA as well. He has started to figure out the AA level, but has not been advanced to AAA as of yet. If he hasn't been advanced to AAA yet, it's highly unlikely he will be playing at the major league level this season. Um, Braylon Marquez was expected to do a bit more than he has this year, but he hasn't been healthy either. Um, the Cubs had a number of players who realistically weren't options for the Major League Club for much of the Major League season. That's not entirely desirable because a 40-man roster is only 40 players long. And if there's the 26-man roster this year, so you have a 40-man roster, you have a 26-man roster, that means you have those 14 guys in there that you can bounce up and down between AAA and the Major Leagues. But if you have two or three or four or five of those guys who aren't really viable options, then that cuts your players that you can call up from 14 to 9 or 10 or whatever. And there were a couple of times the Cubs had a couple of um, roster moves they had to make. And the move they made wasn't necessarily the one they might have wanted to have made. But here comes the rebuild. Here comes the readjustment. Here comes the shift on the fly. Whatever the heck you want to call it. And three of the players that the Cubs have added are unlikely to be on the major league roster this season. Completely unlikely. Alexander Vizcaino came from the Yankees in the Anthony Rizzo trade. He's a right-handed pitcher. Throws quite hard, 98-99. Has a good changeup. His curveball, not so much yet. And he's pretty much buried at the advanced day level. He's currently on the South Bend roster. He's on the 40-man roster. And he's on the South Bend roster. And he is highly unlikely, highly unlikely to play for the Chicago Cubs this season because he's not that advanced. He's just not advanced enough yet. It's how it goes sometimes. He's on the 40-man roster. He won't play this year at the major league level. 
he is unlikely to play next year at the major league level. So the Cubs are having players with long upside, but that are unlikely to contribute immediately. It's an interesting gamble. Outfielder, who's the out? I'm going to have to cut away here for a second. Right before the trade deadline hit, the Cubs traded Jake Marisnik to San Diego for pitcher Anderson Espinoza. Espinoza is quite like Alexander Vizcaino. He is on the 40-man roster. And he's going to be assigned, presumably, to South Bend as well. It is highly unlikely that Anderson Espinoza reaches Tennessee, AA Tennessee this season. Highly unlikely. And it's also highly unlikely that he reaches Wrigley Field in 2022. Highly unlikely. So the Cubs have added Anderson Espinoza and Alexander Vizcaino to the 40-man roster, and neither is likely to play in Major League Baseball in 2022, even if there is a full-out season, which is very... um questionable, unlikely, however you want to phrase it. The Cubs in their trade with the Giants when they picked up, uh, when they traded Chris Bryant in the Bryant trade along with pitcher Caleb Killian, who I kind of dig. Um, the Cubs also received outfielder Alexander Canario, and yes, you guessed it, Alexander Canario is on the Cubs' 40-man roster, and you may have guessed this as well, he is also assigned to, likely, South Bend, advanced day. Um... Sometimes you have a talented player and you assign him to the, you, you select him to the 40-man roster because you don't want to lose him in the Rule 5 draft. It used to be people would say, well, so-and-so isn't ready for Major League Baseball, so we're going to leave him unprotected. Well, you can say he's not ready, but then what will happen is a team who really isn't overly concerned about prioritizing winning in that season, Ooh, excuse me, will decide they are completely willing to draft a player like Alexander Vizcaino, like Canario, or like um, Anderson Espinoza, and draft him irrespective of how ready they are to contribute right away. 
And then what they what the team ends up doing is they leave him on the major league roster for a season, use him a little bit, but not too horribly often. And after the season is done, he has fulfilled his Rule 5 uh, specifications. Then they can send him back down to the minor leagues and take the three or four years to get him developed. And they have poached talent. The Cubs decided to stare that down in their draft draft selections and take the best available talent. And in most cases, the Cubs did a very nice job of taking available talent for the players that they traded, which is going to lead to some interesting 40-man roster decisions. Canario, Vizcaino, and Espinoza are all gambles in that they're on the 40-man roster, but they're not going to contribute to the Major League team. Again, it's a gamble. Now, why would the Cubs aggressively make that sort of a gamble? Yeah, a couple ideas. One, Is there going to be a full season next year? Open question. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a full season or a partial season or barely a season at all. But I'll tell you this, Tom Ricketts probably has a better idea than I do. Because Tom Ricketts has probably a good idea if the owners are going to say, we are going to have a lockout. If the owners are planning on having a lockout, and the owners are willing to say, guess what? We're willing to lose money in 2022, and maybe even 2023. But the important thing for the owners, possibly, in this scenario is they don't want the players to win the budget negotiations, the collective bargaining agreement negotiations. Because as much as the owners would like to have money coming in every year, and you know they want to, you know they want that to happen, the owners don't want to sign a collective bargaining agreement that will punish them financially long-term. They don't want to do it, and they won't. The owners would rather not sign a collective bargaining agreement, not sign it, stop having Major League Baseball, not pay any of the salaries, not get any of the ticket revenue, not get any of the other revenue, to make sure the players don't win. That could be the case. It might not be the case. But that is one option. Possibly if the Cubs don't think there's going to be much of a season next year, once the offseason begins, what they can do with those players who are on the 40-man roster 
but not likely to play if there's not going to be a season anyway. What the Cubs are basically doing is make sure those players have someone bird-dogging them to make sure they stay in shape somehow, some kind of sort of way. And hopefully they're ready um, for 2023 if there's a season then. Secondly, if Jed Hoyer knows we're really not even going to bother trying to be a second or third place team in 2021. If if that's not even an expectation, then really it doesn't make a whole lot of difference if Alexander Vizcaino or Anderson Espinosa are going to be on the roster in 2022. If there's no true plan to be highly competitive, if the goal is instead to stay under a certain financial marker, boy, that's not going to be very happy with the make the Cubs very happy, uh, make Cubs fans very happy. That's why I meant to say take two. That's not going to make Cubs fans very happy. But Jed Hoyer wants the team to be good in 2023, 2024, 2025. Because that's when his contract will get reassessed. He wants to have the players bubbling to the top, bubbling with quality in 2023, especially late 2023, 2024, and 2025. I'm amused by people who think, because I understand the emotional content. I understand how it is how dare you i really do understand that but for people to think that the cubs were going to win the national league if they just sign chris bryant to an eight-year deal javier baez to a six-year deal Anthony Rizzo to a five-year deal. Really, honestly, we've seen what that does. The last four years or so, it hasn't done that much. Baseball is a younger player's game. Mick Gillespie was talking about that. Baseball is a younger player's game. It's not you have to have every single player on the team being young. That is not the point. The point is a team has to have younger players contributing, doing well. Otherwise, there will probably be problems. The Cubs have to look to the younger players. Perhaps Alexander Vizcaino. Perhaps Anderson Espinosa. Perhaps they will figure out. And maybe they won't. And what happens is, at some point, probably, maybe mid-December, late December, if you... 
let's take an Alexander Vizcaino. I'm looking at a card that has his name written on it right now. Alexander Vizcaino will get to pitch for South Bend this season. Probably within the probably within the next week, possibly over this weekend. Here's the ball. Go out. Show us what you got. Kind of like uh, Manny Rodriguez and Michael Rucker did on Friday. Go out. Show us what you got. They did. And the Cubs are assessing what they saw. Hey, it, this worked really well. Maybe when you're trying this, you want might want to do this as well. You know, whatever. Good, bad, indifferent, all that kind of stuff. Now, Alexander Vizcaino goes out and pitches for South Bend. Let's say he does fairly well. Let, let's you, you, your standard, typical, uh, hit an inning, walks four per nine, and fans eleven per nine innings. Seem reasonable? Let's say that's what he does. Let's say hey, a couple home runs here or there. Hanging curveball or whatever. Send him out. Is this guy worthy of a 40-man roster spot? Now, he's not going to play in the major leagues in 2022. You know that and I know that. But does he look like he's developing well enough to where in a season where it is reload, retool, fix and adjust, whatever you want to call it, does this guy deserve a 40-man roster spot? Coaches look, coaches discuss, hey, I, I think he's kind of, well, I don't know, his curveball is, well, but it's, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they discuss and they decide. If it's to the point where of the three people that are Canario, Vizcaino, and Espinoza. Let's say two of them show realistic advancement in the pipeline, in their games, between now and the end of the season. Seems reasonable, right? Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but... Let's say two of them do, whichever two it is. Then those two will probably keep their 40-man roster spot. Let's say the other guy, it's just not working. Whatever. It's just not working. Then what happens is, around about January... Maybe late December, maybe early January. Um, the Cubs are running through the off season as they do, and they need a forty-man roster spot, and they designate the struggling player for assignment. We're just gonna designate him for assignment. If someone else claims him, the other team has him, and the other team gets to keep him on their 40-man roster. Tip your cap. Nice gamble, guys. You know, I hope it works for you. But, Tim, don't you understand? Don't you understand? 
these players are absolutely essential. Every single one of them has to cash. Otherwise, the entire... No, that's not how it works. When a team trades a rental player, no matter how popular that rental player has been through the years, when a team trades a rental player, they get back a guy or two. One or two guys. You hope both of them hit. You hope both of them hit. But you know the pitchers. One of them's going to have Tommy John surgery. One of them just isn't going to be able to find the plate. You're hoping that enough of them are productive. So some of them help when the team gets better. It isn't absolutely essential that Vizcaino specifically or Espinosa specifically or Canario specifically is the guy that makes the rebuild work. That's not how rebuilds go. You're trying to locate talent from wherever. The DFA wire. Trades. International signings. The draft. The Cubs very well might be drafting in the top 10 next season. Instead of 21. Next season is going to be a very good draft. Presumably. There are reasons for it. I'll get into it eventually. It's not about every single player has to hit. It's not about, I've never heard of any of these players, so they obviously suck. The goal is find some kind of sort of way to locate from here, there, or anywhere, three or four all-star caliber players making league minimum. If the Cubs find a way to do that, they'll be fine. If their talent development system is so broken that they can't find any all-star caliber players making league minimum, they're going to be screwed for that reason. It's not going to be because the Cubs didn't pay Javier Baez $24 million per over six seasons. That's not going to be why the Cubs are not an elite team. The Cubs will be perfectly fine if, for instance, Brandon Davis is a really good player. And Ed Howard is a really good player. And Reggie Preciado is a really good player. Now, mix and match it a little bit. Uh, bounce one of those out and toss in hmm, Jordan Wicks or Owen Casey or Pete Crow Armstrong. The more players that the Cubs have that they develop internally from wherever, 
that play well early in their career, the better off the Cubs will be. If the number of players that the Cubs have that play really well early on in their career is in the neighborhood of zero or one, they are in trouble because other teams will develop players better than the Cubs do. If, 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 if the amount of players that the Cubs develop internally that turn into all-star caliber players in their seasons when they when the player is making basically league minimum, if that number ends up being oh three or four, then the Cubs are in really good shape. It has absolutely nothing to do with did the Cubs retain you Darvish? Has absolutely nothing to do with that. The Cubs were not going to be competitive this season. They were not going to be competitive next season. And in 2023, they probably won't be competitive until late in the season. It's about developing talent internally. It is, it was, it always will be. Taking chances, adding players that have added risk is a gamble. Sometimes it'll play, sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. But to criticize the premise of the Cubs art taking an added risk on with this player who um, was quite highly thought of in January and is less highly thought of in July. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But when you're trading rental players... When you're trading players who are going to be gone anyway very soon, you're prioritizing the future. If Vizcaino or Espinoza, if, if any of the three, crash through and are useful, that's a bonus. That's an absolute bonus. If anyone is going to say that the player the Cubs acquired in the Jake Marisnik trade is going to be the only way, that person cashing, that player being good is the only way the Cubs are going to have a successful future. <laughs> wow, that'd be a tale to tell. Um, the Cubs took some gambles. Cubs took some gambles. There were a number of trades they made on the final day of the draft that I would not have done it that way. I would not have done it that way. And the adding players like Canario 
like Vizcaino, like Espinoza. Yeah, it's a gamble. But nobody's quite figured out this game yet, as far as having 95% uh, accuracy in player development. Tampa's kind of close. <laughs> but um, mo most of the teams are still struggling, trying to figure out what's working, what's not. And if the Cubs end up trading Jake Marisnik right before the buzzer for a player that they're going to have to keep on the 40-man roster, and they got him from San Diego because San Diego knew the Cubs were going to have to keep him on the 40-man roster, yeah, it's a gamble. But for Jake Marisnik, for two months at Jake Marisnik, yeah, that's a decent gamble. Back, 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 back. Before Jake Marisnik uh, pulled his hamstring. What was it? May? Half of you guys are yelling the date at me right now through your computer. Something, something like May. Marisnik was playing quite well. I said, you know what? The Cubs ought to trade Jake Marisnik now. And I had it all figured out. Of course, it, it didn't play out that way. But I was looking at teams that were interested in in a player like Jake Marisnik. The Mets were down a couple outfielders. White Sox were down a couple of outfielders. I was looking at draft choices recently. Just, just take this guy. Some, some people, oh, well, that guy's like, he's 17th in their prospect. Okay, then don't worry about him. Let's take this other guy. Take a guy that's upright. Take a guy that's actually playing. The Cubs delayed. The Cubs waited until just a couple minutes before the deadline. So I'm sure they were negotiating the entire way. But right before the deadline, okay, San Diego, how about this? We'll send you Marisnik. He'll help you guys out. You send us back this guy that's on your 40-man roster. And you really don't want him taking up your 40-man roster spot anymore. Okay, fine, sold. Easy peasy. It's not a case of a 40-man roster spot in a season when you're really not competing all that close. It's really not going to be a big thing. It's really not a problem. And if it ends up being a case that Anderson Espinoza does not cash for the Cubs, that's not a big problem. Yeah, it's a gamble. It's a very low-risk gamble. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't. The goal when you're trying to reboot something in baseball or in basketball or in football, you want talent from wherever you can get it. You want to take a look. You want to check it out. A bunch of it won't work. A bunch of it isn't going to play but if anderson espinoza gets to south bend and the pitching coach at south bend and the catchers in south bend and the manager in south bend everything just works together like oh that's how i throw strikes then it works out just fine if he's terrible he designated him for assignment in January. There's not a lockout. 
Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to other people. And have a nice weekend.